There's something about Jesus. And that's the series we're in, titled, There's Something About Jesus. In all of humanity, there is no one single person that has been talked about more, written about more, most controversial figure in all of history than Jesus Christ himself. And we're walking through the Gospel of Luke and his recollection of the life of Jesus. And already over the last two weeks, we've seen that the birth of Jesus, the Christmas story, is like none other. And last week, we looked at uh, how Jesus was like us in that the way he was tempted, but he was unlike us in the way that he stood strong in these temptations. There's something about Jesus. Today, we continue the story in Luke chapter 7, where we're going to read two very remarkable stories. And we're going to go through these stories one at a time. And I'm going to read the two stories, and then we'll go through them. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to 10, and it will be on the screen wherever you are. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There was a centurion servant whom his master valued highly. Uh, Sorry, there a centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation has built and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself uh, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. That one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. That's the first story. The centurion is a Roman soldier, um, and, and Rome was the ruling power at the time of Jesus. Uh, the thing that we know about the centurion is that he was a soldier that had authority and power. Uh, the term centurion means a hundred, meaning that he had a hundred soldiers under him, under his care and guard. Now, one of the things that's interesting about this centurion is that even though he was a Roman soldier with power and authority, he's described as someone that was uh, caring and compassionate even towards his servant. Now, back in the day, servants were a little bit better than dogs. That's, they weren't treated as people. But, but this centurion, when his servant was about to die, sends word to Jesus, whom he had heard about, please come and save my servant. And the Jewish elders that find Jesus, they plead the case of the centurion and say, hey, 
This centurion, he's a good guy. Jesus, you need to come and help him. This guy, he's a good guy and affirm his good nature. And did so, Jesus goes. Now, while Jesus is on his way to see the servant and the centurion, the centurion sends friends to Jesus and relays this message that we see in verse 6. Lord, don't trouble yourself. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. That one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. What an amazing statement by this non-Jewish soldier. Jesus, say the word. You don't even need to be here. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Why is this such an amazing statement? Because the soldier, even though he wasn't a Jew, recognized the authority and power of Jesus. What authority did he have? Jesus had the authority over disease and sickness. What a call that this centurion is making. From what he's heard about Jesus, he believed the stories, he believed the miracles, he believed the healings. And so he, in his time of need seeks out Jesus, acknowledges the power and authority that he has over sickness and illness and says, hey, Jesus, just say the word. You don't even need to be here. You don't even need to you know, do some ritual. You just need to say the word and my servant will be healed. And the end conclusion is this, the servant's healed. The servant's healed. So that's the first story. The second one happens in 11 to 16. Soon after, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up, touched the beer, the beer, by the way, the beer is the um, contraption that carries the coffin, just in case. B-I-E-R, okay? <laughs> he touched the beer. That's awesome. They were carrying him on. The bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. So the dead man sat up. And began to talk. Let me just read that verse again, okay? The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. If you thought the first story of Jesus healing the servant, even though he wasn't there, was, was crazy, well, this one goes to the next level. A single widow, meaning her husband had gone, sadly loses her one and only son, and the town comes out to mourn. You got to understand, like so many times when we hear sermons or when we read scripture, so many times we just read it because we've seen it, we've heard it so many times, and and we just glance over these words. And I just want, I just want to just just understand the situation. This single mom who had already lost her husband. This widow has one son. You know what? That's all she has. She doesn't have a job. She doesn't have a career. 
She don't have family. She, she has one son, and he dies. And we don't know how he dies. You need to understand the level of the angst and, and, and the sadness of this situation. Too many times we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, single, single mom, son died. Oh, shame. Oh, Jesus raised him from the dead. Oh, yeah, just another day of Jesus. No, just take a moment to consider this. How sad it was in this situation. The whole town comes out to mourn with the widow. And Jesus sees this and we see his response. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Jesus was moved when he saw this heartbroken widow. And he moves to her and says, don't cry. Now we're going to come back to that. That's really important. But here comes the crazy part. Verse 14, he went up, touched the bier, which was the wagon carrying the coffin, and said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up. Let me read that again. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. The dead man sat up. Now, I don't know what you did this week but I'm 100% sure that was not part of your vocabulary or your experience this week, okay? You thought the healing of the sick servant was one thing, but Jesus then just raised a dead man from dead to life. Now, even if you don't know much about Jesus, you've got to admit that's pretty insane. Something's just different about Jesus. And this is the whole point of our series, is to help you to see that there is something about Jesus that's just different. He's got authority over illness. He's got authority over death. There is no one that you have ever met in your life that is like Jesus. Now, there, is, there are some things that we learn from these two stories that hopefully that we can take home. Number one, Jesus is for everyone. One of the interesting things when we compare these two stories and we read them side by side is, is how different the centurion and the widow is and their situation. And yet Jesus' response to them is the same. The centurion was a, a non-Jewish Gentile. He was powerful. He had status. He had authority. The widow was a nobody. Didn't have a husband, was probably poor because the husband was the, the, the food coming in. The centurion knew who Jesus was. He was educated. He knew what was happening in the land. He knew what Jesus could do. Our assumption with the widow is that she had no connection with Jesus. Two very opposing characters, yet in both situations, Jesus steps into their lives. Verse 6, so Jesus went with them to the centurion's house. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. The first thing that we need to recognize is that Jesus really is for everyone. The Jew and the Gentile, the rich and the poor, the powerful and the lowly, the good and the evil. He doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't have a secret agenda, but his heart is literally for everyone, including people you and I may not like. If I was to say it in the most 
relevant way. His heart is for Ukraine and Russia. He shows us this over and over again through his life and the people that he dealt with. We need to understand this. This is so important for us to understand. And we need to understand this on two levels. The first one is this. You, this is for you. You are a part of that everyone. One of the things I love about our church community, we're talking about this outside, is how diverse we are as a community. And can I tell you, if it wasn't for church, there'd be a lot of us, we would never hang out with each other. Let's just be honest. Let's be honest. I'm being honest. Right? I'll close my eyes. I'd be like, I'd hang out with you and, and you and, and you because I'm married to you. And then that's, you know, that, you know, you know, like, but in, in all seriousness, like we, you know, we like people that we're similar to. Right? We're all different, but we, we like people that we're similar to. The thing about Jesus is he's not like that. He likes you for you. Now, some of us have a very difficult time understanding and accepting that very idea that Jesus accepts you for you. Because so many of us have grown up in the church or so, much, so many of us have grown up in, in moral education where it's all about you do good, you get good. You do good, God approves. You do good, then Jesus loves you. But scriptures don't tell us that at all. Jesus is for everyone. Which literally means it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what you're involved in in your present. And it doesn't matter what happens in your future. Jesus will always be for you. Doesn't matter about your social status, your bank account, your ethnicity, your age, your past, your weight, my weight. There's nothing, there's nothing in our lives, there's nothing in your life that disqualifies you from the love of Jesus. When Jesus is for everybody, you are included in that everybody. That's the first level. But the second level, I think the first level is easier. The second level is we need to learn that if, if Jesus is for everybody, including you, it includes the person next to you too. It includes the person down your street. It includes the person that you are different to. It includes the person that you struggle to have conversation with. It includes the person where they, when they walk into the room, you're like, oh my God, they're here again. Right? It includes them as well. So many times we, are so, we so easily forget and are so quick to judge people around us. And what we do is we place our standards and our values onto that person. And we start thinking on behalf of God going, nah, God wouldn't accept them. It's not that God doesn't accept him. It's not that Jesus doesn't accept him. It's your, you don't accept him. It's your problem. We need to come down from the seat of judgment and have the same heart that Jesus has to greet everyone with the same love that Jesus greets them with. So what if they aren't your same ethnicity? So what if they don't come from the same part as Sydney? So what if they can't speak your language? Or so what if they're not employed? So what if they're not like you? Jesus is for everyone, meaning that he's for you, he's for them too. That's the beauty of Jesus, right? He does this perfectly. We don't. But we need to try to be like Jesus. 
Jesus is for everybody. That's the first thing. Second thing is Jesus has great power. There's something about Jesus. It's his power. To heal a dying man, to bring back a, a life, to bring back to life a young man that was dead. As the centurion acknowledged, Jesus was a man who had great authority and power. Once again, let's not overlook this. The servant was really sick and about to die and was healed. The kid was dead. The kid was dead. He was in a coffin already. Right? I was thinking about this. It must have been an open, open coffin. Because imagine if the, you know, if the door was closed, right, and he sat up and, you know, like, you know. It's like we're on bunk beds, right? Like too many times we, we read stories like this and we just say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a dead person came alive again. Yeah, that happens heaps in the Bible. You know, that happens heaps. Does it? Does it happen in your life? It doesn't. But it happens with Jesus. And for some reason, it happens with Jesus a lot, right? Why? Because there's something about the power of Jesus. Jesus not only had great power to do what he did during his time on earth, right? And this is the bit that you need to catch. It's not just the power of Jesus that existed while he was there, but it's the power of Jesus that still exists where he exists. Means when we look at situations like Russia and Ukraine, and we feel so helpless because we're literally on the other side of the world. When we pray for peace, when we pray for order, when we pray for God's justice, what we're praying is, what we're tapping into isn't just some magic, you know, fairy godmother that's going to maybe, you know, sprinkle some Twinkie dust, you know, over the situation. It's not like that. We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're talking about the most powerful being in all of history. So when we pray and we pray for these things, we need to be confident. Because the confidence that we have in our prayer represents the faith that you have in the person you pray for. You know, when my kids, when we go shopping, right, and my kids look at me and go, Dad, can I buy that toy? Right? They don't ask me, Dad, can I buy that toy? But I'm not 100% sure because, you know, you're a pastor and you don't earn that much money. And, you know, like I saw what you had to buy mom for her birthday the other week. And like, you know, like we kind of like, we got five kids. We got a lot of mouths to feed. You know, like I know like we're on a budget. So I'm not sure if you can, but dad, can you buy me that toy? No, they don't ask like that. They ask confidently, dad, can I, can I buy that toy? Because I know you've got that magic card and goes, doot, doot, doot. And you just pays for everything. Right? It's the confidence that represents the faith. The confidence in your prayer represents the faith. I prayed last night. No joke. I said, Lord, I know we need rain, but not tomorrow morning. <laughs> God, we have so many new people coming tomorrow morning. God, just... Four hours. And I woke up and it was like cloudy. I said, God, I know you heard me last night. <laughs> and if you make it sunny, I'm going to preach 
extra hard today for you, God. And that's where we are today, friends, because it's sunny outside. But, you know, but how many of you pray when, you, when you're driving in the car park, Lord? <laughs> Especially Eastwood, right? Eastwood Rose Street, right? If you know it, it's Stratfield Plaza. Lord, I don't want to park upstairs where there's no shade. Lord, give me a spot downstairs, even though the spots are tighter, you know? You know, we, we pray as if it's like just a throwaway. God, please, please let there be a spot. Please let there be some sun. Can I tell you? The confidence in your prayer represents the faith in your heart. When the centurion said, Jesus, you don't even need to come. Just say the word. The confidence behind that. The confidence to acknowledge the the great power and authority that Jesus has. That's our response. I know. I know that for some of you in our church, in our community, you've been praying some prayers that are pretty, it's starting to just get tired. You're praying like impossible prayers. You're in situations where it's like, I don't think this is going to happen. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage your faith to just start praying again to believe that Jesus has great power because he does. Now, what he chooses to do with it, that's up to him. But let's just start with the acknowledgement that Jesus has great power. He has the power to heal. He has the power to transform. That same power that raised the kid from death to life, that power is available. We just need to start believing that. The third thing is this. Jesus has great compassion. The final thing that we learn from these two stories is not that only Jesus was for everyone, not that Jesus was great and and, and powerful, but he had great compassion. The centurion was a Roman soldier. Now, Romans weren't loved. Right? They were the oppressing power of the time. The Jews were under their power. They were being oppressed by the Romans. They were not friends. And even in that situation, the, the favor, the, the request from a Roman soldier to come and, and, and save a, a servant, Jesus still steps into that space. For some of us, we, we might not understand that because that's just not how we would operate. Uh, there's a story about how, um, I don't know if this is going to be relevant. It's not in my notes, but I'll just give it a go anyway. Just That's the disclaimer. There's a story about a, a, a chicken and a pig. All right. you, you know, any, any story that starts with that line is going to be a, a, could be a dicey story. There's a story about a chicken and a pig and, and they love their farmer. The farmer's so good to them, feeds them. And so the chicken and the pig, they're having this meeting one day, and they say, you know what, we should do something for the farmer. Let's do something for the farmer. He's, man, he's so good to us, you know. And so the chicken and pig get together, and the chicken goes, hey, let's get him some breakfast. Let's make him some breakfast. Yeah, great. What, what should we get him? The chicken goes, let's make him a bacon and egg McMuffin. 
a bacon and egg McMuffin. And the pig looks at the chicken and he's like, dude, it's a bit unfair. <laughs> right? Why is it unfair? Right? If you don't get this story by now, let me explain it to you. Why is this unfair? See, for the chicken, right, the sacrifice that the chicken has to make is just to lay an egg and give the egg, and that's it. But for the pig, the pig doesn't lay eggs of bacon. It doesn't work like that. If you, if you, know, if you didn't go to agricultural school, it doesn't work like that. For the pig, he has to cut off a leg, has to cut off a limb. There are two levels of sacrifice. There are two levels of sacrifice. Now, for Jesus, do you think he's a chicken or he's the pig? Think about it. He didn't give. He doesn't give great compassion out of the excess. But he gives out of himself. He gives out of himself. You know, the, the, the servant that's about to die, he goes. And then the widow, the single widow who was about to bury her one and only son, right? The only one, the, the one thing that she had left on earth. Literally, it was her everything. Let me read that verse 13 again. I want you to just hear it. I want you to hear it in the, in the, with the ease of compassion, right? When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, right? That's chicken. If the, if the story finishes there, that's chicken, right? Because for Jesus, feeling bad for the widow, right? That's it. It can finish there. But he goes further and he says, don't cry. And then he goes and raises a son. I love the fact that Jesus says, don't cry addresses the very deepest emotional need that that widow and that mother had. Don't cry. Maybe some of you, you don't need Jesus' almighty power and authority in your life. For some of you, you just need to hear those words of love and affection and for Jesus to say to you, hey, don't cry. Don't cry. Maybe you don't need a miraculous healing or a supernatural event in your life. You just need someone to meet you in the darkest place that you're in right now. For someone to say, hey, I know. I understand. I'm proud of you. You're valuable. You're lovable. You're precious. You're beautiful. I love you. You know, sometimes miracles aren't all about thunder and lightning. It can be the words that are impossible to ever hear. See, the amazing thing about Jesus is this. On the one hand, he's the greatest power of the universe. He's the power of illness, the authority over death. And yet, at the other hand, he is the greatest. He has the greatest heart of love. Even though he didn't need to, he steps into our lives, gets involved because he loves us. And what we see is that both of these attributes, the power of Jesus and the love of Jesus, they collide where? At the cross. 
where he dies for our sins. The penalty that was reserved for us, we see this amazing power. And then on the third day, he came back to life. He rose from the dead. Power and compassion. The authority to heal and the heart to love. This is who Jesus is. The, the last 10 days have, have been quite difficult for, for my wife and I. Um, one of our uh, dear friends, um, someone who uh, is very close to our family, um, lost their father uh, suddenly, um, leaving behind a wife and three daughters. And ha- I'm not going to lie, it has been very difficult. You know, we've been mourning with the family and grieving with them, trying to help them through the whole situation. And as we're walking with this family and I'm reading these stories about Jesus, I'm just like, man, we need Jesus. There's no way to make sense of the world. There's no way to make sense of your pain and suffering. There's no way to make sense of your future without him. We need the power and authority of Jesus, but we also need the love and compassion of Jesus in our lives. There is no one like Jesus that holds this balance perfectly. It's not just theory or theology. It's real life. And the question is not, and remember, the question is not, what do you know about Jesus? It's no good knowing this stuff about Jesus. That's not going to help you in any way, shape, or form. It's the question, do you know him? There's no use knowing that Jesus is almighty and powerful and that he's compassionate. <laughs> like, what's the use of knowing that about Jesus if you don't know him? You've got to know him so that you can, embrace, you can enjoy this power and you can enjoy this love and compassion and he can transform your life. Do you know him? Have you invited Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life? That's when you can tap in to the power of Jesus. That's when you will fully understand the love and compassion of Jesus when you let him into your life, the lion and the lamb, to reign and to rule, to lead and to guide, to give life and life to the fullest. This is who Jesus is. And I pray that this morning you would consider, you would consider where Jesus sits in your life. Let's pray.